yes, I am a Tantra teacher today. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I still have my own journey and I can only be in the tantric state now and then. But when I'm in the tantric state, I'm very happy because I get very productive, very creative. I get much more caring about people around me. I go into healing mode. I stay away from the conflicts and I can actually even speak the truth now and then, you know, to people. So it's, it's to me to be in the tantric state is to me as a man, 58 years old, means I can also supply the phallic case for people at times when they want it, they need it. I can only be in that state temporarily. I must always be questioned. I'm only human. I can make the wrong judgments. I can rush to conclusions, but I do a lot less rushing to conclusions and I make a lot less mistakes than a man who'd be younger than me would do. Mm -hmm. That's because I desire to be tantric. Mm -hmm. I love being a grown up whenever I can. I aspire to be an adult. And I consider the current disease of society is the celebration of the child as child staying child. It's not the celebration of the child as a human being on a journey towards adulthood and eventually a journey towards the transcendent. Mm -hmm. That's what we need religion. We need a massive return to religion I'm happy to work with the Catholics and the Catholic Church as a philosopher when they get through the pedophile mess they're currently in, right? So once they get through that, I think that's going to be an interesting place to work. And my mentors are often Catholics, right? My mentors, the men 78 years old that I learned from today, are often Catholic. I chose to be Zoroastrian because I wanted to unify East and West. And Zoroastrianism was my choice. While I, just like you, love Dzogchen, love Buddhism, Love Taoism because I can learn tons of stuff from these crazy wisdom traditions of the East. Mm -hmm. But I think we can pick the best now from East and West, and we need to be very careful when we do that. Not jump to conclusions and never, ever be appealed by the instant gratification. Like, you can get this now, you can get this now, you can get this now, which is marketing promises us. Marketing says, just pick this shampoo, your life will be fine. Just pick this soap, your yeah. life will be fine. Or just Eat take this tantric, tantric technique and, and you'll develop uh, this This constantly flattering message yeah. that says that you're fine as you are. You deserve this now. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. I hate marketing. I hate advertising. And I think advertising is rape. And I believe the first thing machine intelligence and algorithms, if you keep the algorithms clean, and pure. It's going to kill advertising. It's going to kill advertising. False promotion. I, I, give, I give speeches in Europe that I like. I, I charge them like tons of money to give them speeches to marketing people. <laughs> that marketing said. They still don't get it because otherwise they wouldn't still listen to me, right? Would they, right? Yeah. So, I'm, so, I'm, so, so, I'm still not, I, having a hard time being convinced just because I see how how intense the marketing motive motive is everywhere. And, and how are people, well, one thing how, are people how are going to people on a mass grow that? Andrew, let's add a third word to term to Tantra and Crazy Wisdom, taken okay. from the West, supernova. Mm -hmm. What is a supernova? A supernova is an ecstatic, immense, overdone, desperate state before something implodes. Everything you see today in society. Oh, I see, okay. The supernova of infantilization. The supernova of advertising, supernova marketing. Why is marketing and advertising bigger than ever? Because it's gone desperate. Because it's, because it's at its final... 
Uh, it's final state and it's final state is Facebook ads and Google ads. And that's exactly we started to hate Facebook and Google. And I can prophesy and tell you one thing, Facebook on WhatsApp and Instagram within the next 24 months, they're going to kill both by just putting more ads in there. Because mm -hmm. they don't get it. Facebook is a part of the old. Facebook is not digital. Facebook is not part of the new paradigm. It is the last attempt of the old paradigm to tame and domesticate the new paradigm to its own profit motive yeah it doesn't understand that credibility is everything now and facebook has no credibility it's an evil company built on hundreds of psychologists trying to make us addicted to it making us children sucking a tit called facebook and they wanted us to scroll on facebook eight ten hours a day like children just sucking the tit sucking yeah i was thinking about that when i was using it the other day as how you always have to go back to messenger twice you know, I hate that. I hate, I hate the signal. I mean, and obviously, talk on your phone when it got, yeah, yeah. no, no, I know, but just let, me, let me finish because this is interesting. Because it's like if you, if you make somebody do something in, a, in an impulsive manner, whether or not conscious, you have to do it twice. It's like creating this kind of it's creating addiction, isn't it? I mean. We can call it the Facebook supernova. Yeah. And because it's so damn huge and so desperate, it will also swallow WhatsApp and Instagram, meaning get out of those companies and those brands now. Because mm -hmm. we're so tired of them, we want another platform. It doesn't mean Facebook couldn't be something else five years from now, but it's very unlikely as long as Zuckerberg's sitting there and his ideology is ruling that game. Because he does not understand digital one bit. Digital is a wall of truth. Mm-hmm. It's going to be walled. It hasn't hit us yet. It's a wall of truth. All we're seeing, all we're seeing now well, is maybe the that's, Is that because it's the kind of the subconscious mind coming to the surface? Yes. Is that what you mean by a wall of truth? It's like what's hit, that's hid, everything that's hidden is, is yes. coming, coming up? Yes. That's what you mean? Yes. That's why associated with the Freudian superego. Because the first reaction we're going to have is that, oh my God, all my sins are in the public. All my sins can now be seen. That's what machine intelligence will do with us too. When the yeah. machines start looking at us with our sensors, they're going to see all our faults and defects and they're going to expose them to us. And that means that since everybody's human and everybody's faults and defects, we've got to stop believing there's any perfect role models out there. And that's why we have to kill the whole idea that another person can be a role model for you and uh -huh. expose the fact that if you want your teacher to be a role model, it's only because you're lazy and you're infantile and you want the teacher to be everything you don't want to be. Because you want to be lazy and you want to stay infantile. Mm -hmm. you, want to, you want to make the relationship between the teacher as a grown-up and you as a child permanent so you don't have to grow up. That's not the point we're teaching. The point we're teaching is that the teacher is there to teach you to be human so that he can die and go away and you can take over and be him. Mm -hmm. And when you become a teacher, you certainly don't want to be a role model. When I get role model uh, projections on me from my students, God, I hate that. I do anything to behave like an asshole when they project that on me. Well, I know a teacher, I'll tell you a story, who, who he used to teach in public and he doesn't anymore. And every time he went in public, he would drink a lot of beer and smoke cigars and, yeah. and act really disgusting and he'd wear these gloves and chairs. And, and then when he'd go back to it, when he'd go back, he, he, didn't, even, he wasn't, didn't even drink, you know, normally. He would just put that on because... Cause, cause he, uh, cause That's brilliant. That's he, he hated the idea of the public you know, looking at him as some kind of refined spiritual person, even though he obviously, quite obviously is or, or was, but.
Yeah. That's why the students are sitting by the gangs in India, jerking off on their dicks and playing around and just getting drunk and taking tons of drugs. And, you know, and we trust them because of that. We can go to them for advice in our lives because they're pseudo, right? They're, they're worse than we are. Mm-hmm. And because they're worse than we are, they're more credible. Hmm, that's very interesting. Hmm. That is not infantile behavior at all. That's actually incredibly spiritual. No, infantility. And, and, and then and the tantric sense of, of ingesting poison to for liberation or, or in, in an alchemic, alchemic sense? or, or Well, let's sense. put it this way. I, I decided not to have children. That mm-hmm. means I highly respect and admire men who decide to become fathers and have children. Okay? That means I can spend time not fathering children. Mm-hmm. So I better spend that time wisely doing things they could not do. Mm-hmm. So we can create a culture of mutual admiration between the non-father man and the father man. So we can create a great team. You know what then happens is that 10 years down the line, all these guys that decide to have a family, raise kids and be great fathers come to me and ask, could you please be my godfather? Could you please be the godfather of this kid? And they're like, yeah, I, yeah, sure, sure. I, I could be his dirty, nasty uncle. That's what I call myself. I told these kids, I said, the first thing I teach you is I'm going to teach you to love your father and respect him because he was human and did his best. Hmm. Once, once you're through with that process, you can start looking at me and discover that I'm your dirty, nasty uncle who was too lazy to have a kid like you. But you can still look at me and go to me to teach you how to be a full man because I can teach you the things about manhood your father never taught you. I compliment your father. Mm-hmm. That's what spiritual teachers do. That's exactly why priests do not have children. That's exactly why they step out of the reproduction cycle. That is the true meaning of celibacy among the priests. It's a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Because then they're credible serving the sons and the daughters of the fathers and the mothers in the parish. That is what a good priest does. And he doesn't do that by being a fucking role model. He does that precisely by just being as much an asshole as the father or the mother was. Because when they look at me and discover that I'm the dirty, nasty uncle, I say, can you finally start respecting your dad? Because he did something really admirable I haven't done. He gave birth to you. Mm-hmm. So, all I, all well, I am is that I'm older than you. I know a, more. You're being a kind of negative role model in a sense, like... <laughs> or, or, uh, you know, or I wouldn't say negative. I think I think all I think all perfect role models are horrible and truly negative. Mm-hmm. I'm all about humanity. Yeah, the person with and the I, deepest humanity. That's that's the person that's you, you know you exactly. want to be around. That's you, why you want to be around. Yeah. yeah, that imperfection is beautiful. That's what you learn from Zen. Zen is all about nurturing a culture of imperfection. That's exactly what Zen art is all about: asymmetries. Because if you look for symmetry, which is a childish little fantasy that we should match mother and father, we should match everything. Everything should be symmetric. Well, the problem is, if everything was symmetric, existence wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. It'd be if the amount of antimatter would match the amount of matter, there wouldn't be universe to begin with. You know, if father and mother would be the same and symmetric, what would be the point in having father and mother? The whole point with having two different sides is that they're different. The whole point with left and right in politics is that they're different. That everything is asymmetric. Even if you take opposites, they're asymmetric. And because- Even your brain, your brain is asymmetric. It's just- Yes. Yeah. Yes. So meaning if you learn asymmetry in the beauty of asymmetry, you can also learn dialectics. Dialectics is precisely because these poles do not match. 
although my mind tries to make them match and make them symmetric, they do not, they're asymmetric. And because they're asymmetric, I can create dialectics, which is what intelligence is. That's how you think. So you, out of these two, you can create the third. Yeah. And the third is not the compromise between the two. That's a childish fantasy. No, no, no. The third is you take the antithesis, you go back to the thesis, and because you can learn from the thesis, you can go back and take a new look at the antithesis, and from underneath, you can discover a synthesis. This is what we do with religion, so the Christ and I, and we say, atheism is just a childish lack of imagination. Hmm. Richard Dawkins is a boy. Yeah, well. He's just, he's just, it's just unbelievable how much he's lacking imagination. Would you seriously believe atheism is the end of history? Seriously? You don't even understand theism to begin with, so to understand atheism, you better go back and try to understand what you're attacking. Mm -hmm. And once you understand what religion is, then you can go to the point of atheism and create what we call synthesis, which is the future of religion, the future of metaphysics, the new grand narrative that we have to create. Oh, that's interesting. That gives me a, a cool thought is that, uh, you know, the non-theistic and the theistic traditions are in a dialectical uh, so, somehow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They are in the East, obviously, because the uh, name God is really the name we attach to the dead ancestors because we can attach a credibility to them we cannot attach to the living humans because they are no longer evolving. So they have lived a full life. Mm -hmm. Because they've lived a full life, we can, we can point to them as credible sources for the credibility of the narrative being told to us on how we have to move and progress. So, so essentially, it's the Ur-Father and the Ur-Mother, the father of the father, or the patriarch of the patriarch, the matriarch of the matriarch are the two stories the priest tells. And then when you go to the priest and say, well, who's your God then? Well, that's the Ur priest. Mm -hmm. Those are the dead ancestors of the priest. And that's exactly when you go into the shamanic realm, say so you go to Peru and you meet the shamans and you do the shamanic ritual with them. They take you down finally to the Moloch at night and they got all the skulls mm -hmm. of the dead shamans there, mm -hmm. which is God. Mm -hmm. God is always in the realm of the dead. God is always in the realm of that which has become whole and complete and therefore can die. Hmm. That is the name of God. That's what theism is. Do you think Richard Dawkins even grasped this remotely? Mm. No. Hmm. Yeah. He's mistaking the story of science, which he told to the hunters and the warriors in the morning. He's mistaking that story for the mythology that told the tribe in the evening, when the mythology was about humans moving. It was about humans moving from point A to point B the next day. Well, and science has, science has become a mythology, uh, hasn't it? No, it isn't even that. It's, it's too bad for that. Science is the story you tell the hunters in the morning about how human beings relate to the outside world, to the animals and the plants out there, so we can get food and get something to eat. Mm -hmm. Or if they have to fight another tribe for territory. So, so it's just pragmatism. The, or, or... the warriors and the hunters have to live in a very, very factual reality. The tribe that has the most factual warriors or factual hunters will win. Mm -hmm. Okay. So factuality arises with evolution, especially in the phallic realm, and that's the realm of the hunters and the warriors. And factuality also arises with the matriarch, mm -hmm. with the matriarch, the oldest woman at the center of the tribe, because she sees the world completely factually. 
That's why Me Too's mistake was to not to listen to the older women. Because they would have taught the girls, no, girls are not perfect and men are miserable. We're all human. Yeah. Girls make the same mistakes that boys do. Oh, we make- keep coming back to the same same thing, don't we? That it's it's not listening to the, the older women and the older men. That yeah, exactly. It's not listening is- to wisdom. Mm-hmm. And especially not to crazy wisdom, because our idea of wisdom is also completely wrong. Idea of wisdom is that it's a role model that we're just going to copy. No! Mm-hmm. We imitate elderly. We imitate parents. We don't copy. The difference between copying and imitation is incredibly important. Hmm. You cannot copy the role model. There is no role model to begin with. All human beings are failures. Being human is failure. But it's getting up on your feet and trying again. It's never to strive for perfection. That's what my whole work is about as a philosopher. The terrible ideas of infinity, the terrible ideas of immortality, the terrible idea of perfection are misunderstandings. These are only projections we make onto the dead so we can have the divine in our imagination. But it does not exist outside of that imagination. There's no infinity in physics. That's exactly what modern physics has gone wrong. There are only enormities in in the universe, no infinities. Striving for immortality just shows that you don't live now. It stretches back to the Big Bang. We have a starting point for the universe. There's no infinity there. Hmm. There's no infinity. Hmm. I'm totally against the use of the word infinity. I think we have to cleanse language and get it out of there because I think it's exactly what, what, what was the mistake with the West. I think we, from the boy pharaohs of Egypt onto Plato and onto Descartes and onto even up to Einstein and even Max Tegmark today, all these guys, physicists and philosophers alike, make the mistakes. They're little boys. They're not grown-up mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. And they project infinity onto the world. And it makes mathematics lazy. If you do mathematics and discover, if you bring the infinity sign to mathematics, you can get around a lot of problems you think you solve them. No, you haven't. Because the infinity sign should never be introduced to mathematics in the first place. Because of nothing to do with reality outside of mathematics. Mm-hmm. So this idea of God is some absolute uh, infinite... Uh, potential or no 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 god is death Hmm. god is that which lived before us and has died and therefore we can project onto god a goal for a journey so that we can live the journey which is life Hmm. the point was never the goal the point was all the direction moses died before he entered the promised land what does that teach us The point was his journey. The point was the 40 years. The point was to take one generation out of Egypt, let that generation teach a new generation, and then die. That's why it took 40 years. Before a new generation that didn't have the resentment of life in Egypt with it, Mm -hmm. walk into the promised land. Mm -hmm. That's the ultimate exodus. It still is. The the exodus is incredibly important. Our next book is going to be on the exodus. You mean as as a mythology directing us towards the future, Yeah, and that is what the name God means. The God, God originally starts with your tribe and my tribe finding out that our shared, our different Urfathers are one and the same Urfather. We have the same origin. Mm-hmm. They have the same origin. Ismail and, 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 and Jacob have the same father, right? Okay, that is religion. The name of that father, ultimate father, is God. Or the name of that ultimate mother is goddess. The ultimate matriarch is the universe, planet Earth, the cell within which life can start. Mm-hmm. That's what matriarchal religion should be today. The original womb. And the womb today called planet Earth, where we're all little kids swimming around 
and we're going to die. We're not going to be born. We're going to die on this planet if we don't save the planet. Actually, the whole point is that we're never going to leave the planet. We're going to stay on the planet forever. Hmm. We can't live in outer space. Yeah, why would you want to leave the planet? planet well, you can't. You can't. That's, that's the that's whole point why, why, why I compare the moon landing with the building of the pyramids and even the building of Auschwitz. Disastrous mistake. We, 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 we believed since 1969 that we made something uh, amazing by putting three guys on the moon. No, we did not. We wasted our resources on the wrong thing. It's building pyramids again. The pyramids were useless. They had no use. Mm -hmm. Empty, perfected symbols of death. Of one little boy's death. Meaningless. Hmm. When you see the world that way, you then compare the pyramid with, say, Japanese... Zen asymmetric art, you certainly prefer the asymmetric art coming out of Zen in Japan, don't you? The pyramid looks really banal, doesn't it? Well, because I guess there's a dynamism or yeah. a living force. Yes, asymmetric, dialectical, alive. Mm -hmm. But pyramid is just death. Yeah. Death worship. Plato is death worship. Adolf Hitler is death worship. Stalin, death worship. You know, all these fake fallacies we've had throughout history, false fallacies, the, the, the false messiahs, they're all death worship because the little boys pretending they can be the teacher, pretending they can be the leader, pretending they can be the chieftain, pretending they can be the priest, without having learned a thing. Mm -hmm. And without being human. And that's why they think they walk in their perfect uniforms and costumes like Hitler. They walk in the uniforms and costumes. Mm -hmm. This is the Platonist fantasy about having the perfect costume, perfectly combed hair, and everything is perfect. And then you just look from underneath and you discover the imperfections. You discover the shit in the pants and this nervous boy. You discover all this nastiness, the smells, everything else around these perfect little boy pharaohs that we had throughout history. And today society is full of them. It's full of these little boy and girl pharaohs everywhere, full of themselves, young, believing they're like the peak of humanity believing they're wise and know the world and they know nothing and they're tragic. Hmm. We live in a very infantilized world and, and that, that is the real, that's the real cause, causality here, Aristotle again. That's the real causality of the problems. The reason why the planet's going down and we have you know, climate disaster is simply because we were all boys and girls during the individualist paradigm Mm -hmm. And we thought the world was there to be exploited and marketed to. Mm -hmm. Exploitation and marketing, two sides of the same coin. That was colonialism. And the ultimate forms of colonialism, when we finally saw the dirt of it and the nastiness of it with Hitler and Stalin. And the territorial expansion dreams. It's always about territorial expansion. Little boy's fantasy is always about territorial expansion. But that is always at the cost of the neighboring tribe. Territorial expansion, just that dream just has to stop. We need to go vertical instead of horizontal. The neophytic dream has to be vertical instead of horizontal. Because hmm. there's no territory left to expand to. That's why the moon landing was just pathetic. Oh, yeah. So when you finally colonized the entire planet, you went to the moon. Mm -hmm. The shadow of the earth itself. Mm 